Okay, guys, welcome, welcome. Tonight's topic is the spirituality of the Kabbalah of trauma. I just want to make sure everybody has one of these, just in case we reference it. They're, they're over here. Yeah, just in case we, if people need them, we'll show them to the Facebook world, just in case we want to. We're going to reference this afterwards. So we're going to talk about, we have maybe six or seven sources on trauma in the Torah. And one of the key elements that we want to talk about is obviously trauma is a built-in condition according to the Arizal. It's something that we're all going to go through. We've all gone through before. And believe it or not, resilience is the tikkun. <laughs> resilience is the English word for tikkun. And ultimately, I'm going to talk to you about how the world was created and what, what our goal is and what are the key elements really into turning trauma into triumph and not make us, God forbid, lose our self-esteem, etc. So I said this many times that ultimately our, our life is to go from, from pain to purpose. And obviously nobody gets from pain to purpose uh, one way. We either go through desperation or inspiration. And the process is what usually you know, one of the things that people dealing with trauma, obviously working in rehabilitation centers, is the sense of hopelessness, the hence the sense of despair, the sense of being abandoned by your creator. I know everybody that I've been around with trauma, that at, that at one point they felt like, where's God? How could God allow this to happen? How could this have happened to me? Where's, there's gotta be. So we have to understand the difference between a concealment which is necessary part of creation and an abandonment. God forbid our Creator never abandons us, but He is concealed. We're going to talk about how that process happens. Because you would only turn to despair in a state of abandonment. You would never state a despair as in a state of concealment. So whether you're, you're, how you view this is very, very important. Another key element, and I was talking about this in my facility today, another key element in any kind of trauma, in order to get out of it, is you have to find meaning, Viktor Frankl's work on finding meaning. Because if I just go through a situation and I don't find meaning afterwards, what happens? I'm, I'm just re-talking re about the past over and over and I can never get out, out of it. And this is the difference between the Hasidic model of Kabbalistic uh, form of therapy and the regular, cycle, cycle, uh, the regular model of, in, in, of, of today's culture, where Hasidus talks about the Yerida, the fall is for the sake of the rise. And that's something, unless you're into Hasidus, Rab Nachman, Baal Shem Tov, you don't hear this concept of a fall for the sake of the rise. You, you don't understand. You're too busy understanding why it happened or, we're, or focusing on, God forbid, the messenger instead of the message, which is very common. You know? Or we don't understand the big picture. And if it's not for Rab Nachman's teachings or the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, we don't really, you know, what do you do with all this pain? What do you do with all this pain? And this is why it's so important to understand this angle. Because after a situation, after pain, believe it or not, you get a reward for it. <laughs> believe it or not, there's a reward for pain. You get a reward for it. We think we're going through pain and, and this is it, that's it. I got, I got the wrong end of the stick. I got a... I got a bad DNA, I got a bad parent. No, there's actually a reward for pain. Believe it or not. That means you're crying anyway. You got to hang in there and turn it into meaning. And there's a big reward. 
Rabbi Nachman is going to tell us the reward is the extent on how you deal with that tra- traumatic situation, how do you deal with pain. Basically resistance. To resist, to, the, the resistance obviously to, of acceptance is obviously coming from the ego. The soul's in the acceptance. Resistance is always coming from the ego. So we know any time we have a hard time understanding something or surrendering to it, it's definitely our ego that it's talking. We also have a key element that we need to understand, which we're going to talk about in Lesson 64, which these are fun. Again, it, it's, it's so important that you get the beliefs because if you don't have the right beliefs, then you can, you know, I always tell people, according to your theory is your therapy. According to how you view things is the therapy you're going to put. If you're just, if you don't believe in the spiritual, spiritual aspect of this, then obviously you're going to put your, your obviously all your, all your energy into psychiatrists and medication, etc. But if your theory is there's a spiritual awakening, there's something greater here, then you're going to be curious and maybe put some energy into the spirituality. Of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to psychiatrists or psychologists, but you have to understand something. The key element is whether the person found meaning in that pain. Of course, you have to go de- deal with it. Of course, you have to process it, etc., with a, with a therapist. Of course, but what's the, how do we get how do we get to the next level? That's what I'm trying to talk about. How do you get to the next level? How do we turn post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth? How do we do that? And that's really, really through meaning. And there's different methods by different different rabbis on how to deal with this. One of Rabbi Nachman's famous methods is obviously bittel. Bittel. Bittel is this concept of closing your eyes to a much bigger picture. And real, really, we need to understand that the reason why we're suffering any time in our lives is because our awareness has been taken away, away from us. Once you have the awareness, there's no more pain. Once you knew, wow, <laughs> if I knew I had to go through this to meet my husband, or if I had to, knew I had to go through this to have my calling in my life, then <laughs> there's no pain anymore. The pain is because at that moment, the awareness was taken away from you. And sometimes, believe it or not, the smartest person you could be, your awareness will be taken away from you. So you experience something. Some, many times we've, we knew what to do, how to do it, but somehow we couldn't get it done because our Creator wanted us to surrender. And then He would open up our minds. There's always, that information is always above us. But what we have to do is let our Creator in. And sometimes, because we're going through such a tough time, all we want to do is just go into comfort. And this is really part of this chart. So Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 64 that God created originally the world out of His compassion, believe it or not. Believe it or not, He created this world out of His compassion. Many people see it, many people don't see compassion. The key element in seeing God's compassion is perspective and dot. That's the key element. Dot refers to perspective, knowledge, whether you see something as a gift or whether you see something as a burden, whether you're growing through something or you're going through something. It's based on your perspective. So Rabbi Nachman says, God created the world out of compassion. And Rabbi Nachman says, to, and begins this Torah, very important. He begins this Torah by saying, go, come to Paro. Come to Paro, Bo Paro. Which he tells Moshe Rabbeinu, come to Paro. doesn't say go to him, come to him. That means, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you in this. It's not go. You go, out, you figure it out. He's telling him, come to Paro. And why specifically Paro? Paro represents here a contraction of light. So God originally wanted to create the world 
he had too much ain't soft, this infinite light. But what happens is, you can have the greatest coach, but you have no team. <laughs> you can have the best coach in the world, but there's no team. So he had to create a world in order to reveal his compassion to him. And that world was created. God had to remove himself from the picture in order to create a world where man would get re reward for free will. Because otherwise, like we say today, that receiving something from nothing is the ultimate of shame. When we receive something for nothing, when we don't earn what we receive, what happens? It turns into shame. Any experience that you get something, this is why the Gemara says, one who hates gifts lives. Well, Gemara says one who hates gifts lives because the fact is you're supposed to be a giver in this world. You're not supposed to be a receiver. You imitate God by giving and you suffer when you start taking. This is the importance of when we're able to get to the next stage and go through that trauma, now we become givers. Because we're no longer victims, we become the co-creators. And when you become a co-creator, you can en enable God, you can m mimic God, and you can mimic just like He does, He gives, etc. So He created the world out of His compassion. And then Rav Nachman says here, because His compassion was, there was too much light, there had to be a vessel for His light to come in. So this is where the mystery comes today, where God purposely created light, where there's too much, too much abundance of light, and that caused on purpose the shattering of the vessels. This shattering of the vessels is what brings, is, this, is the trauma that we go through, is the, the things breaking. Remember, anything that happens in today that breaks, it's because a very simple concept. Failure is in a very simple concept. When there's too much light, and there's not enough vessel. Let's say two, two people decide to get married. Great idea. So what happens? If, these, if this couple, if they don't have the emotional stability, yes, they want to get married, but what happens? They don't have a vessel to, of communication. So what happens? Boom! The vessel breaks. So this is why we never want to hurry the process in life. Because sometimes we want something so bad, and then we get it, and it breaks. So all failure is teaching you is two things. The light that you have is not prepared. You understand? This is where people get into very ambitious goals in life, but they don't have a vessel to, 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 to maintain that goal. Or, so what should really be changed? What do we, what do we learn from failure? To, big, make, to make a bigger vessel. The purpose of failure is to learn to make a bigger vessel. Clearly the vessel that I had. If I have a 50, 50 watts of light and I have a 40 watt bulb, guess what's going to happen? The thing's going to break 100% of the time. And it's not supposed to, I'm not supposed to lose my self-esteem from, from trauma or from failure. I'm not supposed to take it personally. Obviously, easier said than done. Obviously. But the real goal of failure is really to create a bigger vessel. For example, you went through a divorce. Okay, I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I know I'm realistic. It's funny how people sometimes want to go out with people who are divorced because why? They're more realistic on, they've already gone through it. Doesn't make them worse people. It's real, real, more realistic. You went through, you went, you're more realistic. You're more real. You're not looking for Louboutins on, on Beverly Hills on waiting for you from Prince Charming. You're realistic of what life is all about. You understand? So the purpose of trauma, the purpose of breaking is for you to elevate it, not to understand it. Remember, the purpose of the breaking of the vessels was God allowed, God allowed evil to exist in the world. This is the first cause of evil existing in the world. 
evil does exist in the world. There's horrendous people. There's a lot of bad in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. But originally, what the purpose of evil is to elevate it back to good. Our job is to make the tikkun. This is what your job is to do. Your job is to overcome evil, not understand evil. This is where the big E comes into the place. The big emunah. Because my logical mind is going to say, how in the world did my creator allow this to happen? How in the world does this happen? How could this have happened? Where is God? Where is he in the picture? That's trying to understand it. That does not work. Why not understand it? We'll, we'll answer questions afterwards. Because if we knew everything, if we understood everything, then there's no emunah. It's almost like having a light in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the day. If I walk around with a flashlight in the middle of the day, there's no purpose of me being here in this world. What's the point of it? I have to get a reward. The reward is based on me overcoming something. If I don't overcome it, what's the reward? It's free. There's no emunah when there's clarity. Emunah is only when there's no clarity. So there has to be, like we said before, there has to be where our Creator has to be concealed. He has to recreate a concept of free will in order for you to get a reward. Because that's how we created a system where a person makes a lower arousal in order for a higher arousal to come. Otherwise, the arousal comes from above. Then what do you need, what do you, need you for? for? So it creates a system where the person can make a move, let's say practically. I could say, I forgive you. Somebody hurt me, I forgive you. You know what happens when I do that? All of a sudden, I created a lower arousal. I just gave you mercy. I turned my anger into mercy. You know what happens? There is a reciprocal light above that all of a sudden, I did something wrong in heaven, all of a sudden it turns from judgment to mercy to me. So basically, that's why we have very complicated people in our lives. The reason why we have very complicated people in our lives, believe it or not, and I know this is a big topic, is in order to help you. Hard to see that. If you had easy people in your life, you would never be in pain, you would never cry with a broken heart, you would never be humble, you would never seek spirituality, you would be comfortable. And ultimately, that being so comfort, you would lose the connection, you would lose the broken heart, which is the highest form of prayer, when a person approaches his Creator with a broken heart. He's whole. Imagine a person being drunk and praying. Why can't you... <laughs> or smoking and praying. Why can't you do that? Why isn't that not the highest form? Because when you do that, you're not broken, you're whole. Correct? You're complete. What do you need God for? The fact that I am so broken is because I need prayer. So this is, the, this is the real reason why God puts very difficult people in your life. Everybody's got them. You can't run away from them. No matter who you are. Of course, you have to put boundaries and, and whatever you want to call it, etc. But ultimately, you have to overcome them. How do you overcome them? By giving them mercy instead of anger. This is how you're doing a reciprocal light for you. So every time you create a reciprocal effect below, you're getting the matching effect above. So if you're really smart, you would run after and forgive people. And easier said than done, of course. But technically, if you really understand the big concept, you would say, why would I want, I would, I want a merciful life. 
I don't want a life of judgment. I don't want a life where I'm holding uh, Gevura. I want a life of Chesed. Right? Who doesn't want that life? So you would go out of your way, and God forbid, you would hold a grudge. Because what's happening when you grow holding a grudge? In, in heaven, they're holding a grudge for you too. So you're really hurting yourself. You understand? Because you can get tremendous mercy from forgiving people. So that's, that's one concept behind it. That if you really look at the situation of the person that did it to you, who did it to you, you have a tremendous chance to forgive that person and, and, and you're able to get a, a tremendous amount of mercy in heaven because you went against your nature and you forgave that person or, or, or that person will hurt you, etc. That's one way. That's how you become a co-creator. I'm not talking about enabling, but I'm trying to explain to you to, the belief of Amona is that everything happen, is happening for your benefit. And you also have, to, also have to understand something very important. Our Creator wants us to be just like Him. So what happens is, is there's weak parts of our lives. There's areas in our lives that we're very, very weak in. And those areas that we're, we're very, very weak in are constantly getting exposed. Over and over and over again. And you could say, why would my Creator put, do so, create so much pain to me? He always is he's exposing this area in my life that it's so difficult for me. And it keeps on happening over and over again. Why? It's to make it obvious so you can change it. Because if something's not obvious in your life, you'll never change it. But you'll see areas in our lives, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a relationship, toxic relationships, whatever it is, where a person has la- lack of low self-esteem, and every time he gets into a relationship, he becomes a victim, right? That will always happen to them until they overcome it and get self-esteem. And it's a scary concept. You know why? Because you're like, why would God make this person constantly create a situation where that person is constantly getting abused? Because they're almost drawing this koach hamoshech, which is this, this energy that whatever you're holding in is what you're getting from the universe. But He ultimately wants you to expose the ultimately the weakest parts of your life in order so you can emulate Him and you can become a co-creator. You understand? This is exactly why the victim mindset is such a problem. Because the victim mindset focuses on the messenger, not on the message. You understand? And if we focus on the message, message instead of the message, I'm sorry, if we focus on the messenger, not on the message, then we lose this opportunity for growth. We lose the opportunity to grow. We don't understand the big picture in life. We don't get that growth opportunity. We don't get that co-creator gift. We don't get the reward. Unfortunately, we become the victims, unfortunately. This is what in Kabbalah we speak about refers to Moham Katnut. But you have to understand, evil has to exist in the world. This is the shattering of the vessels. And ultimately, what your job is in this world is to make a tikkun. A tikkun, a simple example of a tikkun could be where a person turns a, a drug addiction into a spiritual awakening. That's a tikkun. You took a horrendous situation into a spiritual awakening. Or a person, God forbid, getting molested, he turns into an organization to help uh, children in, in that are in need. You ultimately turn the biggest darkness, because remember, evil is not separate. The job of evil is to, to hide good. See the difference? Evil is not a separate entity. It's not like God created evil. No, it's part of, it hides good. <laughs> That's the bottom of evil. Evil hides good. 
just like a shell covers a fruit, it's the same thing that evil does. It covers and doesn't allow the good to be revealed. It hides it. That is what we call in Kabbalistic terms as a klipa. A shell. What's the job of a shell? To hide good. But our ultimate goal in our life is to go from, if you take a look at the charts, which my friend Isaac's son helped me, ended up inventing it from all my classes, is basically to go, this is the events that happen to all of us. You see the white, just a two second thing. This is the events that happen to all of us. Then we go right, because of the amount of pain that we go through, right away we go into a comfort zone because we don't have the capacity to deal with all of this. After a comfort zone, we go into ego and pride, which is a form of all of a sudden because the ego's job is to reflect or, or, or blame somebody, right? And then after that, we go into a deep, deep, deep darkness or depression or very despair state. And then you can see the magic happens when there's a surrender. This is another class altogether, but I'm just showing you this is really the circle that we go through. It's the trauma from the darkness to the light, where ultimately after surrender comes courage, comes wisdom, and comes purpose. You're going to have to make that circle in your life. That's the, that's the wonderful circle <laughs> that we all go through. Some of us, the good thing about this, which Isaac made so beautifully, is it shows you at least where, where you are in the circle. It shows you where you are, where, where your mindset is. Some of us are encouraged, some of us are in despair, some of us are still blaming other people for it, right? If we're blaming other people, remember, we're in the, we're in the darkness. Because remember, ego has to project or, or blame somebody else, you understand? It's normal. This is, we all do it, let's be honest. We all do it. There's not a person that doesn't do it. But some of us recognize it's not working. And whatever I'm doing is not working. So me, obviously, being a gambling addict and recognizing that the gamble is not working and the blaming my father for not raising me right is not working and all that not working, I finally say, okay, I'm surrendering. I give up. And that's when magic begins. Surrender is, is where magic begins. When you surrender, you go from the biggest darkness to all of a sudden the light starts coming. Courage begins and then momentum begins. This is ultimately the tikkun that we need to make is to go from pain to purpose. Just to give you a visual on what's happening because you could trauma what trauma could do to you it can it can completely put you in tremendous despair it could put you in a tremendous state of despair and you think you're never going to get you're never going to get out of it and it's it's basically you just avoid and avoiding is avoiding in life it's not really uh, coping with it it's just crashing and small and crashing very 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 slowly that's what avoiding is in life it's crashing in slow motion. Anytime we avoid something, yes, you, it's the illusion that it's avoiding. But it's just, you ever see a guy jump off a building and you say, how's it going? So far, so good. <laughs> but eventually, unfortunately, he's going to hit. And you can't change what you're not aware of. That's another problem of, not, of recognizing that you can never change what you're never aware of. You can never change what you're not conscious of. So ultimately, we have to be aware of these things. And we shouldn't be scared of them. This is where the Torah is telling you, you don't need, you don't need intelligence. You, sometimes you need faith. And this is the problem where today's society, I have to figure it out. 
I have to figure it out. I have to figure it out. You need to not be smarter. You need to surrender more. I would say today, 2021, it's not about knowing more. It's surrendering more. That if some, whatever you're doing is you're trying, you're trying, trying, nothing's working out. It's because you're trying too hard and you need to surrender. God knows you're smart. God knows you're intelligent. But the problem is not that the answer is, you're not, you can't get the answer. It's the answer is not revealed to you. It's a revelation issue. It's not a intelligence issue. You ever wake up one day and you say, you know what? I'm just going to let go and surrender. And all of a sudden you get the idea right in your head. What happened? You let God in. He expects you. That's why our sages say we have to cast our burden onto Him. But remember, like we said before, the ultimate goal, growth is non-negotiable in our lives. And your weakest areas will always be exposed. Because you ha- that will get you to your destiny. Do you understand? It's usually the weakest areas that we go through that gets us to the destiny. And this is where the problem begins. You know, if we just watch football, you could see it's the same quarterback throwing to the same wide receiver, and he'll continue to do it until he sees a weak coverage. They hit that line all the time. Because ultimately, your creator wants you, and he wants you to, to, to grow, but he can't grow unless you fix this issue. Imagine a guy, Hashem wants to give a guy Parnassah, a wife, but, he doesn't, but he's not working on his self-esteem. So imagine that. Imagine trying to go into a business without self-esteem. Imagine going into a relationship without self-esteem. You become hypersensitive and you think everybody's uh, talking about you. Or you take everything personal. Do you understand? So, until, so he constantly will get the same message over and over until he's able to conquer that. And once he conquers that, he makes a tikkun. And this is something we really need to understand that. Don't focus on the messenger, focus on the message. The message. What does God want from me? And this is very difficult. It can never happen when you're in the heat of the moment. For sure not. This has to be done when you wake up and you're in a good state and you can contemplate with your Creator and then revisit those situations. Because if you try to attack those situations when you're going through the problem, it's not possible. (laughs) not possible. You have to be able to quiet the mind and change your perspective and look at that same angle. But I do have to acknowledge the evil in the world. I do have to acknowledge it. I have to be comfortable with it. But I have to elevate it, not understand it. And how do you know you've been, the purpose of the past is to lift you, not to break you. That is really the goal. The goal is to be uplifted by the past, not broken by the past. And the reason and how you know you've uplifted the past is when you come out of it like a different person. Ramachan says that after going through bittal and after going through the pain, you get a new brain. You become a new person. You actually, not only do you become a new person, but you can now, you have, you have a new mindset that if it wasn't for that situation, you have a different view of the world. That's how you know if you came out of trauma the right way, that after you went through it, you became a different person. That's the litmus test to see if you really, if trauma was good for you or God forbid it broke you. If you came out of there, some people came out with organizations, some people came out with different things, some people have it, it became spiritual because of trauma, some people tremendously strengthened them. That's the ultimate key. And this is where Rabbi Nachman says that in order to prepare this vessel, remember, 
The problem is, like we said before, the reason why we're not succeeding in any areas is it's not the light, it's the lack of vessel. Pain increases your vessels. Pain increases your vessels. You have to have a different relationship to pain. You have to recognize that pain sets you free. So any, like we said before, the, any attempt to avoid pain is the pain. Avoiding the pain is the pain. Do you understand? Because you're avoiding, if I just told you that pain is what, cre- what increases the vessels, then the, and the avoidance of increasing the vessels is the problem. In order to prepare the vessels, Rabbi Nachman says, the first stage is to lift our eyes to the ultimate good where everything is good and to make unity out of our prayers. Believe it or not, like Rabbi Rush says this a lot, and many of our sages say, it's better to understand if first I have to, when I'm preparing to meditate, when I'm preparing to pray, when I'm preparing to do anything, first I have to look up to a place where everything is good. And what I say is, Hashem, I don't understand you, but I believe you. (laughs) I don't understand you sometimes, but I believe you. I trust you. It's recognizing the lack of knowledge. Because remember, if I had the knowledge, I wouldn't have the problem, because I would know it's this or this or that. You understand? The problem is you have to sometimes cry out for the, for the, for the knowledge to, to be able to be internalized. And the, and the ability for you to internalize knowledge is humi- level of humility. When you're humble, you start internalizing the knowledge. Shem opens up your mind. He'll open up your mind. And he's saying here, that only by surrendering ourselves in Bittal to the ultimate unity, knowing and believing that everything is good, then we can start praying. Then we can start praying. The best form of prayer is first connect and then pray. If I pray without connecting, then I'm usually saying, get me out of the situation or get rid of, let my ex-husband be nice. Maybe your tikkun is not to, for him to be nice. Maybe your tikkun is to be more resilient. Maybe you're asking for the wrong thing. You understand? Or let that person go away from my life like you're some kind of mob. Wipe that guy out of my life. That's not what you're supposed to... You understand? If I know it's all for the good, then I have to look up first. And then I can pray. Then I can pray. So first, Emuna connects you. Emuna connects you. Then the, the blessing comes. Trying to pray without the connection, you understand, is usually not going to get you anything because probably you're going to pray for the wrong thing. You're not understanding what you to pray for. And then Rav Nachman says that the blessings are actually, the, 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 the enhancements of the, of the vessels are actually formed from the light of the experience of Bittal that a person went through. <laughs> Do you understand? Be, but the pain that you went through, in order not to run away from this problem, not to escape from it, the going back and forth, I know this is good for, I know this is good for me. Next thing you know, you, your head is like, oh my God, this is a, I can't believe I'm going through this. I know this is good for me. So you're going to basically go back and forth in this process. But as long as you don't check out, <laughs> as long as you don't check out, you're going to get a reward for that pain. You need to understand that. This is where any form of addiction stops the bittal process. Because the addiction doesn't allow the pain to, <laughs> to happen. You understand the problem with the addiction? It doesn't allow. If God wants you to face your stuff, 
He wants you to fix that weak area of your life that has to be fixed, no matter what. And the reason why it keeps on happening is because it's just exposing the weakness of your life. It's just exposing the weak area of your life. This is why we keep on getting the same lesson over and over again. It's because the weakness, that weakness part of our life is not, has not been elevated. So it keeps on happening and happening. But it would appear to be, why are you picking on me? What are you pick, why are you picking on me? How long am I going to go through this? Until you overcome it. It's a scary concept. You know why? Because it doesn't go away until you have the koach to overcome it. And I know many people, they don't, they don't even have the, the, the game plan. They're traveling, they don't even know where they're traveling to. At least we have the, the, the tzaddikim, we have the, we have the guidance, we know what to look for, we know what to turn pain to, we know the concept, so I can at least meditate on this concept. But some people don't have no clue, have no clue. Francine Shapiro, she talks about EMDR therapy, which is a famous therapy. Basically, it's eye movement. And basically, what she does is she takes that same situation that that person went through, and the Baal Shem Tov also talks about this, that he, they go over and over and over for about 90 minutes. And what happens is, is this, this diffuses the, the energy from that experience. Okay? Now, why do we have such... Why, why do we remember, we don't remember every compliment we've been given, have we? Do we remember every compliment? Usually not. But somehow you remember every single hurt. Every single hurt you can remember from 10 years, who did it, where you were, exactly who talked about it. How come that part of your brain remembers that? Obviously your brain is made to protect you. But it doesn't recognize that person just made a comment. But you don't remember the compliments. Compliments just go by, but the hurts, they really, really stick. So with Francine Shapiro, she has an unbelievable concept. Back to finding meaning. And she says basically her whole fair, that most problems that we go through are unprocessed thoughts. Situations in life that happen that never had, that was not processed. And she gives many examples. She gives a great example here. How there was a, there was a girl who was seven years old. She was sleeping in her house. All of a sudden there was a tremendous rainstorm outside. And what happened? She cried herself to sleep. All of a sudden, it was unprocessed. She started saying, if, if my parents loved me, they would have come gotten me. How, why would they have let, put me to sleep? Why would they have let me cry to, to, to sleep? What kind of parents would do this? Must be there's something wrong with me. So she felt like she was abandoned. So all of a sudden, as she gets older in her life, she starts getting herself into these ridiculous relationships she becomes codependent on every single person she meets. And of course, as she becomes codependent, the guys leave her. And they say, what is wrong with this girl? Why is she doing that? Why is she not giving people space? Because time cannot, your subconscious, there's no time limit. It happened seven years ago. It happened when she was seven, and this was haunting her today till she was 22, 23. And every single time she got into a relationship, right away, Attachment, fear of abandonment, and what happened? It kept on happening over and over. The time she gets a relationship, beautiful girl, etc., they should be dumped every single time, and exactly what she had in her head, that she would be abandoned, actually was fulfilled. What happened? She never processed that rainstorm that the parents never heard her. The parents never heard, the, heard her cry. If they would have heard her, 
she wouldn't have been abandoned. So that seven-year memory that the child all of a sudden had to get healed by recognizing my parents in here. So you could see sometimes how many of our, the way we act today is coming from our childhood. And these unprocessed, so it's very important. Our sages say, Rabbi Nachman says this, Hasidus says it, that whatever happens to you, right away, give it meaning. You have to give it meaning because you have to get it out of your head. Because if you give it meaning, for example, I have a failure, what do I say? I won or I learned, that's it. If I think about the failure over and over, I'm never going to want to do another business deal again. Did you win? Yes? God bless you. Did you learn? Yes? You win or you learn. It's very important to give things meaning. For example, let's say you're in a, you're in a relationship that didn't work out. Well, what's a good line to say to yourself? Sometimes God has to save your soul. Break your heart to save your soul. It's not the best thing in the world, but He saved my soul. It's out of my head. I'm not carrying around this weight to another relationship. Does that make sense? This is what happens. We have to give whatever happens to our lives, we have to give it meaning right away. Because if you don't give it meaning right away, it's going to start accumulating and reinforcing the negative behaviors and the negative thoughts that you already have. So we don't need more and more negative reinforcement. We need the opposite. We need the elevation, not the reinforcement. So it's very important, whatever happens to you, right away give it meaning. Give it the right meaning and get it out of your head. Because if not, it just constantly becomes more and more and more and more and more. This is another great book, The Psychology of, Sim- of a Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum, like we spoke about, a Tzimtzum represents a concealment of God. That's where free will happens. A Tzimtzum is where God removes himself from the picture in order for man to get reward for that. So he talks about a beautiful concept, which is so important to understand. Therapy, the Hasidic way, versus the other model of therapy. Okay? The Hasidic model... Rabbi Nachman says that if you look at the, some of the Christian models, they believe that a person has a share of the original sin and they, and they have this constant remorse and guilt over a, over, over a certain event that happened and usually they'll blame it on the parents or where did it happen, how did it happen, etc. Hasidic therapy is future therapy. Future therapy. It's thinking already about the future. This broke in order for me to have more moon in my life. This happened in order for me to be my bishop. We're always thinking about the Yerida. Okay, I went through a Yerida. What's next? Also, the difference between Hasidic therapy also is it does recognize a state of darkness. In the, but they don't call it a depression. They call it a, 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 a moment of darkness instead of a temporary depression. I'm not saying there's not clinical depression. I'm not saying that. But Hasidic recognize. I get times in my life where I get to tremendous darkness in my life. But I know it's a wave. It's going to pass. It's, it's going to pass. There's never a time that I have not had every single week a state of where you get this crazy darkness that no matter how smart you are, no matter where you're living, it comes to you. And it's going to come to you. And you have to almost recognize it's going to go away. It's not a permanent state. But you can't run away from this and say, I want to be happy all the time. It's not happening. Because we do have to have a night in our lives before a day. You have to have a night in your life. And you have to recognize, yes, 
you want to be happy. This is why Rabbi Nachman says, there's times where you're going to run and there's times that you need to just hold on, hang on. Not every time you need to run in life. There's times that you need to hang on. There's times in our life where we just need to hang on. Not throw everything out. Not go backwards. I'm not saying going forwards. Just hang on. 2020 is a day to just, year to hang on. You're hanging on. You're not dropping your spirituality. You're not dropping this. Drop the news. Don't drop your spirituality. But there's times that we need to understand. In a marriage, in, 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 in a business, there's, there's peaks and there's yeridot. It has to happen. Because remember, the, and the light that you get, usually in those situations, are formed from the darkness that you hung on. So here's the paradox. I have to go through that darkness in order to get that light. You understand? Because remember, the vessel that's created is created from the test, not from the light. I have to show my creator that I'm hanging on. The Hasidic therapy, which is based on Rav Nachman, it's oriented towards the future. And it recognizes that any fall that a person had to go through is, is this concept of never despairing because you had to go through it. And he's saying here, what's the difference what the mud looks like? Who threw the mud at you? It's mud. Yes, that I was thrown mud. But we don't want to talk about who threw the mud, what kind of mud. We want to talk about what are you doing with the mud? Yes, there's mud on your shoes. How'd you get there? What are you doing next? This is why our sages say, depart from evil and do good. We're not, we don't want you to we don't want you to steer in the sin too much. We don't want you to steer in the past too much. Because what happens is we're worried that if you stick around in the past too much, you might get a membership there. Do <laughs> you understand? You, start, you might get a membership in the past. So there's a specifically why there's two sins. There's a sin itself, and there's a reaction to the sin. Sometimes we wallow too much in the past out of guilt. Jewish guilt, you ever hear that? Yes, it exists. But your, your creator is not interested in the reaction, in the, in the sin itself. Your creator is at reality. What are you going to do next? So it's almost like the power of now what? <laughs> not so much the power of now. Power of now what? Okay, yes, it happens. What are you going to do next? That's the timsum. That's the test. And he's saying here, it doesn't matter what kind of mud you had. <laughs> Did I sin? Did I not sin? What does heaven benefit from you running away and having extra guilt? And this is, we know this exactly from Adam. All Adam had to do is one thing, make teshuva. I made a mistake. And what happened? He hid. That was the problem. The hiding was the problem. If he would just said, I made a mistake, it would have been over. I made a mistake. It's going to happen to you. But the problem is that the ego can't say, I made a mistake. Ego can't take responsibility. It's the opposite. So it has to go and create this. And this is why the Rebbe of Gore had harsh words for those that contemplate the past and have self-incrimination. When we drown ourselves in the thought about past transgressions, we can't change. Which focuses on, the Christian model focuses on regret over the past, where Hasidic model focuses on what are you going to do now? It's such a refreshing concept. Who's saying, if, if, if the world is recreated every single day, 
Why am I giving energy to the past? What benefit are you giving? You're not giving your creator benefit from hanging on in the past? He knows you made a mistake. He knows, I know I gambled, I did this. But I recognize nobody's perfect. I'm here to, I'm here to take my imperfections and, and come to my creator. I'm not here to be perfect. And there's going to be issues. And this is where we have, we have the ability to rewrite the past. And we know this example from Yosef Atzadik. He clearly says, and he went through trauma. He went through major trauma. He didn't say, I was sold. He said, I was sent. The big aha moment. I was not sold. I was not sold. I was sent. You understand? I was sent. I was sent here. I had to go through this to become that. Big difference between sold, a victim, sent, a victor. Do you understand the difference? What it would enable him? What enabled him to do that? It's because he had constant joy and simcha. So number one method, you have to get your eyes off the messengers. You have to take your eyes off the message, off the messenger. You have to. I can't stress this enough. The more you dwell on the messenger and the messenger and the messenger, and he did, and my, my narcissist's husband, ex-husband, and he's putting me this, he's taken away from this, he's taken away from that, everything is taken away from me, and etc. You're just going to become a victim. And then what's going to happen? You're going to go date new people, you're going to talk about your narcissistic husband. Who's going to want to marry you? <laughs> Sign me up! You don't want to bring old things to new relationships. You understand? You see a guy traveling in the airport with like 25 bags, you're not going to travel with him. <laughs> you want to travel lightly in life. I'm not being, doing this to be insensitive. But what happens is, if we have a Muna, there's a present afterwards. If we don't have a Muna, we get stuck talking about the messenger. That is what co- it's called Mocham Katnut. And again, this is not... Of course, you, you say you're 100% right. Nobody's saying you're not 100% right for being upset and for being traumatized and for being this, etc. But when you get to a higher consciousness, you recognize that hurt people hurt others. And it really had nothing to do with you. When you get to that higher level of consciousness, you understand that it was all hurt people hurt. It had nothing to do with you. It really had nothing to do with you. Just like you would never, you know, imagine somebody you know, being in trauma that a, a wife saying that my husband never dances with me and the husband's handicapped and he can't walk. How can he dance with you? He, he doesn't have legs. So some people are also emotionally not able to give. And you have to give them mercy instead. You have to, opposite of hating them, you have to give them mercy. This is how you mimic your creator. This is how you mimic your creator. This is, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm giving you the ideas and the concepts. Now you have to absorb it. You have to pray for it. It sounds super easy. <laughs> Chick chack. I'm just giving you the, the... I'm trying to give you a roadmap of where you have to go with this in order to, to, to make that turn. In order to get to the green, to the, to the yellow. Because otherwise you're going to stay here. I mean, otherwise we stay here. Ego, 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 blame, blame, blame. We never make that movement. We don't want to surrender because we say, why should I surrender? It's not my fault. Why should I surrender? It's not my fault. Clearly, right? He sees the one that's the problem. This is what we would normally say. Why should I surrender? I didn't do anything. I'm the victim. 
Because you had an opportunity to give mercy to that person and you had an opportunity to be great. And you didn't take the opportunity. That's why you have to surrender. That's why you have to transform. Because when you get out of that situation and you see its beauty, when you see it in my facility, when the clients are able to make that turn and now they're giving the classes out and they're encouraging other people in recovery, it's the most beautiful thing in the world because now they became just like God. They became the givers. It's a beautiful thing. Now they're giving. We're calling in. I call it. Here, come. We need to, you need to speak to new people. They just came in here. Please give them a good word. Leon works at our facility. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. There's no price for it. There's no price for it. When you see the person that was a taker, now become a giver. Which is ultimately another great book from Arya Kaplan. What did he do? He imitated God. Arya Kaplan says our whole, God, our whole goal in this world is to imitate God. Just like God gives, you have to give. Just like God's merciful, you have to be merciful. Just like God's patient, you have to be patient. Just like God is, is, doesn't offend easy, He bears insult, you have to bear insult. Just like He, not only does He bear insult, but He cleans up the mess, you have to be bear insult and clean up the mess. This is how you become superhuman. Now, what you get the reward for this is you live a different life. When a person lives and he becomes a co-creator, he lives a different life. He's gratitude. He has an abundant mindset. And obviously when you have gratitude and abundance, what do you think comes to you? Gratitude and abundance. <laughs> it's pretty much a magnet. See, people today, they're confused with the vision boards. They should have more gratitude boards. And then they attract. If you have more gratitude boards, you'll attract your visions. But sometimes when we have vision boards without gratitude, we're just showing, God, this is what you didn't give me. It's the opposite. You end up getting things in life when you, when you become, when you feel abundant. When you, when you feel that energy, you just get things come to you. Things come to you. And you have to recognize the opportunities that you're missing out when you don't get in that state. It's you, ha you, would, you, would, you would recognize you're doing it for you. The more I imitate God, the more I'm in my soul state, and the more gratitude, the bigger the perspective I have, the, the bigger the self-esteem, etc. But the opposite is also when I don't imitate God, right? And what, this is the difference, why what Jacobson said one time very, very nicely. He says, what's the difference between children and adults? Children, they forgive easy. Adults don't forgive easy. Because would ra children would rather be happy than be right. Right? But adults would rather be right than happy. Right? So you could see the, the, you could see the concept. Why can, why can we just forgive easy? If 99% if if of the things that happen are not even about us. You understand? Think about it. It's not even about you. Because somebody treats you horribly. Somebody does a horrible thing to you. It's really them. Hurt people hurt others. Angry people get angry at others. But merciful people don't hurt others. So it really has nothing to do with you. This is where self-esteem and taking things personal is such a big thing. Because you'll recognize, why would you give away energy? Why would you still be controlled by that energy? And this is really the best way, if I can look at a situation and I could say, you know what? How in the world can I imitate God in this situation? How can I be just like Him? What would God do in that situation? God would probably forgive Him. You all of a sudden become a co-creator. Once you get a co-creator, you are in the VIP different mindset people don't take away your energy as much you become merciful 
you look at things completely different, you're in and out of problems pretty quickly. But the reverse is true. When we don't become co-creators, we become takers, we be, we, which is the opposite of what God wants. He wants you to imitate Him. And He's going to do whatever He can to get you to be in that state. Because that's, he, because you have a portion of, of your soul in, 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 in Him. You, your soul is made from infinite greatness. So you have those attributes already built in. The DNA is already built in to be great. And when you're not great, He's going to make you great. No matter what you want. This is why we go through the same lessons in life until we pass it. And it, gets, and it, and it appears to be tremendous amount of pain. But it really, what, what, what we call pain, God calls love. <laughs> and I know it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that. This is why the first thing you have to look is when you pray, number one, look at everything as one. Number two, take your eyes off the messenger. Number three, ask yourself, what does God want from me here? What area of my life does He want me to expose, that, that He wants me to strengthen? It could be my self-esteem. It could be my emotional control. I would say today's generation self-esteem is usually the problem. I would say. Because what happens is when, when you go through these situations, first thing is to do, you start losing yourself. We start losing love for ourselves. Right? And we, we know that famous line, when you don't love yourself, you're going to lose yourself. But if I love myself, I'm going to still hang in there and get curious. So number one is definitely look at one as one, take your eyes off the messenger and get curious, ask better questions. Not why is this happening to me? Why is this ha what can I change? to be a greater like my co-creator. Another phenomenal book is, is Tomer Devorah, which talks about the 13 attributes. So now you have to look at situations in your life as opportunities. You have to look at these situations in our life as opportunities for mercy, not as harboring resentment. <laughs> and this is the greatness of having Moach Shebelev, the mind over the heart. The mind over the heart is something very precious to our Creator. Because he he's recognizing that you're a merciful person. Joseph at Sadiq. Per <laughs> How much hate could he have had? If he was Moroccan, forget it. They wouldn't have nothing to eat. <laughs> Just joking. One Moroccan joke a class. That's it. <laughs> but he wasn't... He, 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 didn't, he didn't punish them. He didn't get e angry. He didn't do a Scorpio on them, right? What did he do? He says, it's not even about you. I was sent here by God. This is your trauma story. Sent versus sold. This is trauma 101. Evil, what did he do? The evil that he went through was actually elevated because he became the king of Egypt. Yosef Atzadik is the story of our lives. And this is how you, t you, you, you ultimately recognize that we're all here in this... Some of us are here, some of us are here. But once you start getting courage, what do you, what do you think comes afterwards? You're going to want more wisdom. Once you start getting courage, you start getting over it, you start building your muna. next thing you know, okay, I want, to, I want to learn more. I want to get more. I want to get curious. What else can I learn? Give me a new book. What else would you keep falling back? Then you haven't surrendered. You haven't surrendered. Because remember, the new per a new person is awakened when you surrender. You won't recognize that person. You're going to have to change your social security number. They're not going to recognize you. You have a face change. I see people, when they surrender, their face changes. 
unlimited Botox for life. Facelifts. Spiritual facelifts. Why? Because what does stress do? It wears you down. Gray hair turns blonde. Everything changes. Because your energy changes. You know why? It's, you get light. You have a Muna. And Muna gives you light. Wisdom gives you light. Not if you, not if you, you can have occasional setbacks, yeah. but you, you'll have the wisdom, you'll have the game plan in order to stay there. It'll be a quick thing and right back up. But unless you surrender, remember, a person's wisdom lights up his face. This is a very Kabbalistic concept. What lights up your face is not lights, it's wisdom. You meet the guy, wow, look at the energy the person has. Or you go on a date, wow, what energy, or... Whoa, horrible energy. <laughs> We've said that, right? You feel energy, right? Right away you feel energy. Energy, because everything's energy. Everything's energy. Either the energy is lighting you up or it's taking away your energy. Wisdom gives you energy. Emuna gives you energy. Trust gives you energy. That gives you wisdom. That gives you light. It takes away the darkness from our lives. This is, this is the light. This is the darkness. But what's happening, there's a key bridge here that has to happen, and that's called surrender. So when we're stuck on life, guys, it's teaching us we need to surrender. And how do you surrender? You start accepting. Surrender means acceptance. An easier word for surrender means acceptance. It's not a weakness. It's recognizing that you don't know the whole picture. It's recognizing that this is happening for your benefit. Lack of surrender is lack of acceptance, is resistance is feeding the suffering. And we already spoke about many times, Viktor Frankl says, that what, what is despair? Suffering without meaning. Think about a situation that we've gone through. When we don't have meaning from the suffering, it turns into despair. But when we know that situation, it's part of our, our life, it's part of our growth, it's part of, our, 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 part of the process that we had to go through, then that situation turns into a new Kaylee a new light, a new person. And this is the difference between trauma making you or breaking you based on the surrender concept. The understanding, the trying to understand too much. You don't have to understand everything. Opposite, Rav Nachman says. We are in a, we are in a Shema. When you got the Torah, Naseven Shema. Do and then listen. It's not, it's not like the philosophy I need to understand everything. This religion is all about action. Your way, you'll figure it out on the way. Get married, you'll figure out on the way what happened afterwards. <laughs> you'll figure out on the way. It's not the, there's no, there's no, like you go to a movie, you see the free preview. Don't worry, you'll get the preview in the, in the movie. You'll see the movie, there's no free preview. You have to jump in and then you'll see what's going to happen. There's no free preview. You're in the wrong religion, wrong this is not what I should because ultimately what does he want you to do he wants you to believe in him crown him and he wants you to trust in him so he can give you his, your compassion so there's a, big, a lot of concepts here I want you guys to absorb it but the big talkless the big point that you need to understand is my goal is to find meaning and meaning means I become a co-creator when I'm a co-creator I have a different relationship with people my relationships with people when I'm a co-creator are merciful relationships are merciful I could have a bad I could have a bad childhood and I could find now a way to give empathy and recognizing, you know what, my mother wasn't able to give me. If she would, she would have given me. 
that same relationship that was toxic became now you're giving them mercy. It's a beautiful thing that you could turn to toxic parenting. That means it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Never too late to have a happy childhood. How do you do it? You go back, you rewrite the story, and then you, you go rewrite the story and say, you know what? If my mother would have had more to give, she would have given me. And you don't take it, and you don't become you. You, you don't become the, the point of that. So may Hashem help us all that we should take all this information today. And this is all, again, this is all the spiritual way. It's a spiritual concept. Maybe if you go to a psychiatrist, he's not going to talk about any of these things. This is the Hasidic, Rab Nachman, spiritual way that knowing that the breaking of the vessels is going to happen. It's funny how when I was actually doing this class, there was a beautiful vase that just moved into my new house and it broke all over the place. It broke and shattered in pieces. And you know what's going to happen? Yes, I might step on it. I might step on one piece of glass and that's going to trigger me about the breaking of the vessels. But I'm going to say that this is what has to be elevated. That's why the, the, we, we have a hard time with the past because we think we, that this, oh, we, things are always going to shatter. No, you have to build. This is why in, um, I believe in, in the Orient, they, they, take a, they take the same bowl that was shattered and they reline it with gold to show resilience. The same pot that was broken, they reline it with gold to show the importance of, of post-traumatic growth. So again, may Hashem help us all that we should all go through our traumas and we should elevate it and become co-creators. All right? Amen. Go ahead. Have a great day.